blessing to be here this morning and just to be able to hear about the reports. I had dinner last night with Maya and over at Thomas and Lisa's and uh, just touched to know that the body of Christ and people that love Jesus are going through those kind of challenges and uh, what, a, what an amazing uh, response and testimony uh, to what Christ can do in holding us up even in the midst of the most difficult of circumstances. You know, I was sitting here this morning, and I, the Lord uh, works with me in sort of mysterious ways, uh, being 43 years in ministry. I never know exactly what I'm going to preach. They ask me all the time for a sermon title, and I never, I never can come up with one, you know. I think I may have told you all one time that I was asked to, by Dr. Walker and Mount Perrin what my sermon was going to be uh, because he needed to know it by that afternoon. He had called me that day, and I said, well, uh, my sermon title is The Mystery Revealed. And then on Sunday, I'll reveal the mystery. Uh, <laughs> but as I'm sitting here this morning, I brought notes, and I could have gone a lot of different directions. But as I'm sitting here, of course, the Lord said, scrap all of that. I've got something I want you to speak about for just a few moments. So if you have a Bible, look with me at 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I'll, I'll start here in verse 3. And what I want to talk to you for just a moment is about a fear and uh, I feel the Lord's told me before the service or in ending the service today that I want to take a moment and pray about the area of fear in your life. Second Timothy chapter uh, 1, verse 3 says, I thank God, Paul, writing to his son Timothy in the faith, whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, to begin with, there's an obvious implication in this verse of Scripture, which is that God has given us a spirit. The spirit that God's given us is his Holy Spirit, his own spirit, the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ living within us, the very living presence of Christ himself taking up residence on the inside of us. That's why Paul the Apostle says, again, I say it frequently, but Galatians 2 verse 20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I'm living by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I'm living is not by faith in me, in my capacity to face life, my capacity to handle temptation, my capacity to live the Christian life. The life I'm living, I'm living not, not by faith in me. I'm living by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, I'm living by faith in his spirit in me and what he can do through me. You see, God has given us a spirit. He's given us a human spirit. When we were born of the spirit, the Bible says we were regenerated. Spirit, soul, body is how scripture defines us. He took out the old stony heart, the old dead spirit, placed a new spirit within us, but then Ezekiel 36, 26 tells us, and then he placed his spirit within our human spirit. 
so that he could cause us to walk in his statutes and to keep his ordinances. He's not left us to ourselves. He's not left us to our own power. He's not left us to our own ability. He's not left us to our own strength. He has come to dwell inside of us by the power of his spirit. God has given us a spirit. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that that this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and that life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Christianity is not just about a set of doctrines, not just about a set of ideas, not just about a set of precepts or principles. Christianity is about life, a life that man did not and does not possess apart from Christ and can only know and have with Christ. It's not about, uh, you know, the Rotary Club, a Christian Rotary Club, where we're just going to get together with nice people and do good things and try and make a difference in the world. Without the life of Christ himself, it is not biblical Christianity. It is Christ in us, Colossians 1.27, that is the hope of glory. If he's not in us, we have no hope of glory. So the principle that's critical to understand is that God has given us a spirit The spirit that he's given us is his own life, his own spirit, like a branch to a vine we've been grafted in, and his life now dwells in us. And he's not there just to observe. He's not there just to to be a spectator. He's there to become the dynamic and the power and the source of how we live our lives. Now, in light of that, now we come here to 2 Timothy. He says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he says, but he has given us a spirit. The spirit he has given us is a spirit, he says, of power. It's a spirit of love. It's a spirit of a sound mind. This is not just the poetic spirit. Just He's given us sort of a, you know, a, a, an inkling and, a, and an inspiration to be loving and be powerful and to have a sound mind. No, he's saying that he has placed within us a spirit that is a spirit of power. It's a spirit of love. It's a spirit of soundness of mind. This is the spirit that God's placed within us and perfectly matching the things that he describes as the characteristics of the spirit are the very things that he's speaking to Timothy, his son, who is timid and fearful about. He's saying, I remember your tears. I remember your struggles. I remember your concerns, but you're a person of faith and you have a spirit within you that is not something that I'm asking you to muster up out of your own capacity and strength. I'm not asking you to be powerful. I'm not asking you to be loving. I'm not telling you that I want you to be the one who comes up with a soundness of mind. I'm telling you you've been given and gifted by the laying on the hands, the spirit of God is in you and he is a spirit of love. He is a spirit of power. He is a spirit of soundness of thinking. And I want you to stir up that gift of his life in you so that you can face life not with fear, but by the power of his spirit. You know, if you think about it, he begins by talking about he's not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power. And one of the biggest areas that we have fear in is the area of circumstances. There's situations all around us. We're talking about this with the Ukraine. We're here on 9-11, circumstances that were beyond our control, things that we didn't have any power over, things that shifted our entire economy, shifted the way that we do things, shifted the way that we process information. So many things have changed, and circumstances can be overwhelming at times. You know, I can remember being in a situation where I was in Nigeria, West Africa, and we had just ministered in a village 
very far out in the jungles. We were, we were uh, three days out of the major cities and we drove down dirt roads into villages. And when we got to this one village, there was a, a, a huge tree there. I mean, I can't even ex- describe to you how wide it was, but literally the base of the tree was almost as wide as this stage. And the tree towered up in the sky. And the people that lived in that village, they believed that that village tree had spirits in it. And they came and worshipped at the base of that tree. They would bring chickens and cut their heads off and pour the blood out at the base of that tree. And I'm in that village to preach the gospel. And we preached the gospel and some wonderful things happened there. And a church was planted there. But as we were leaving, we were driving and the sun went down. We're driving down this road and we came to a certain spot. And suddenly we noticed there was a large log that had been thrown across the road. And then as we were slowing down for that, I looked out of the back of my uh, corner of my eye and I saw that some people were pulling another log behind us. And as we were on our way to that village that day, we had seen a dead body on the side of the road that had been killed by bandits. And then suddenly out of the woods came men with guns, and they were firing in the air, and they were drunk. And we're sitting there in the middle of nowhere with a a road in front of us and behind us blocked and surrounded by gunmen. And I remember sitting there in the back seat of that car thinking to myself, you know, they could put a bullet in my head, and they could roll me over into this tall grass, and nobody would ever know what happened to me. And as I was sitting there with that feeling of being completely out of control, all of a sudden, an overwhelming sense of peace came over me, a peace that I don't know how to describe. You know, Corey Tinboom, I served on the board of the Corey Tinboom Museum in Harlem, Holland for 20 years, the hiding place uh, story. Corey was asked, asked her father one time, Daddy, what's it like to die? And he said, well, Corey, you know, when we go to Amsterdam from Harlem, when do I hand you the ticket? And she said, well, right before we get on the train. He said, well, right before you get on that train, God will give you what you need to deal with it. Can I tell you, at that moment, I had such a peace. I knew that the presence of the Lord was with me, and I knew that in spite of the helplessness that I felt, in spite of the inability of my natural man to be able to do anything in that situation, I knew that the power of God in me was working. There were a few conversations, some things happened, and then before long, somebody shined a light in my face, and they saw me sitting in the back of the car. And I don't know exactly how it happened, but I think they convinced them somehow that I was a dignitary and that if anything happened to me, that there would be army soldiers coming down to wipe them out in helicopters. or something. I don't know what happened. But what I do know is that the trees moved and down the road we went. So frightened were the other men in that car that they did not speak for one hour the rest of the way. And then finally, one of them spoke up and said, did you see God show up? <laughs> I'm telling you, Pastor, God showed up. You see, when I say to you, God has not given us a spirit of fear, I don't want you to think that Mike Atkins doesn't get afraid or that you're not going to get afraid. But what I'm telling you is that within you, there is a different spirit than that. There is a spirit of power in the midst of circumstances that you cannot control. And oftentimes, you don't even discover what that power is and how powerful that power is until you're in circumstances for which you have no control. That's why the Bible says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And then the peace of God that surpasses human understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. But then he doesn't stop there. He says, but then think on the things that are good and pure and praiseworthy and virtuous and of good report. If there be any excellency, if there be any nobility, meditate on these things 
and then the God of peace will be with you. You know, sometimes I think we get to the peace of God and stop. We're in a circumstance, we're in a situation that we can't control. We, in anxious fear, cry out to the Lord, and we find that expression of his peace comes upon us because we've made our request known to him, but then we stop with the peace of God, and we never get to the God of peace. You see, if we're anxious for nothing and everything by prayer and supplication with our thanksgiving, let our requests be made known to God, then the peace of God can touch our hearts. But when we begin to think upon the things that are good and pure and praiseworthy and virtuous of good report, to meditate on things that are excellent and full of nobility, the God of peace begins to appear. We begin to realize that this living Lord is inside of me. This is not just a, a thing that brushes across me like the wind in the midst of difficult circumstances, but this is actually the power of a living God inside of me that can give me a fearlessness even in spite of fearful circumstances. And it's not something that I'm trying to come up with. It's something that I am stirring up that is within me by the power of his life. Circumstances can be fearful. Some of you this morning may be facing fearful circumstances. I don't know what form they might take. I won't take the time to enumerate the potential. What I do know is that within you, there is a spirit that has no fear, regardless of your circumstance. And he's not there just to watch you deal with these circumstances on your own. But what I found about Jesus is that he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He doesn't say, behold, I've come to knock down the door. He knocks. I'll never forget being in St. Paul's Cathedral and seeing the painting of that beautiful parable, magnificent there in St. Paul's Cathedral in London. And what's interesting is that when you go up and you look at the painting, you notice something. What you notice is there's no doorknob on the outside of the door. He can knock, but you have to open the door. And that's the way it is with Christ always. He never overcomes or overpowers. He comes to empower, but not to overpower. He doesn't overthrow your will ever. So I have to either decide whether I think that the Christian life is about what I can do to try and be fearless in the midst of circumstances for Christ, or what Christ can do to be fearless in circumstances through me. And the choice is always up to you, whether you're facing the circumstance or whether he is. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. He secondly says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love. You know, one of the second areas that I think people are most fearful is relationally. We get fearful about other people, about circumstances, about our kids, about our families, about our our relationships with people, about who likes us, about who doesn't like us. Somebody in this room right now, you're right in the middle of some fear in that. I've been there. I know what that's like. I have three daughters. My oldest daughter went through a terrible season after, after getting to a certain age where we thought, hallelujah, we got everything taken care of. Then suddenly she went through a terrible season. She got involved with some uh, medications that were not working well with her. And it ended up in her drinking and becoming alcoholic. And then she went through a divorce. And then she had one child with her marriage. And she had another child out of marriage. And it was, it was like I didn't even know her anymore. I can remember literally looking her in the eyes at one point thinking, I don't even recognize my daughter in this person anymore. Raised in the church, raised in the things of the Lord. And yet 
The truth was that in her own heart, she had never really grasped grace. She never really understood what Christ had really done for her. It got so bad, she got DUI, she got in jail. You know, uh, she was uh, going through, it just seemed like this spiral kept going downward. It seemed like the more we prayed, the worse she got. And then there came a moment in time when we were at our, what we would consider our worst moment with her was the moment with, when in jail, after a DUI, she got down on her knees and she surrendered her heart to Christ. Now today, that same daughter is the operations director of the church I left in Jackson Hole, Wyoming in full-time ministry. But I'm going to tell you, there were some fearful times in there. There were some times where I wanted to jump in and rescue. There were some times when I wanted to do things that came out of fear. But as I prayed and as I sought the Lord, I learned that my love is not always clear on the best response to have. And Patty and I together discovered that we had to rely not on our love, but on his love. Because his love was hard sometimes and soft times. And sometimes when he was soft, I wanted to be hard. And when he was hard, I so desperately wanted to be soft. But I discovered something. He's actually smarter than I am. You know, one time I had a pastor in the town that I lived in. And that pastor didn't care much for, for um, our church because we were spirit-filled and we embraced the ministry of the Holy Spirit and he had uh, some affinity against that. And actually, he would sometimes preach against our church. You know, um, he would do it in kind of a friendly way, but, you know, it was to kind of keep people away because those guys, you know, they believe in the Holy Spirit ministry and all that stuff. And, and yet, uh, his wife really loved us and and he he was a, a friend, but there was a distance. He had come a long way from a very, very legalistic background. So really, you know, he had come a long way already. But where I was was further than I think he, he was ready to come. But, you know, one day his wife called us early in the morning. It was on a Sunday morning. He called us at the house, and she called us and said, Hey, I need you to pray for, for Don. He has he is, uh, just been diagnosed with cancer. And he's also had these heart issues and all these things were going on. Well, we got off the phone and, and I just couldn't get it out of my mind. And the whole time I was just thinking about this, this guy and what he's been through in the past year. And when I got to church that morning, we had church and we had a full service of people there. And uh, in the middle of the worship, the Lord just said to me, I've got an assignment for you. I said, okay. I got up that morning after the worship and I said, you know, I just got a call this morning from pastor over at this church and he told me that he's just been diagnosed with cancer. So it's known, he shared it with his congregation so I'm not divulging information. But I said, I, I can't shake the feeling that we're supposed to go over there and pray for him. And I said, I'm not talking about me go over there and pray for him. I feel like we're all supposed to go over there right now, and pray for him. So my entire church got up. We went in the parking lot, and we drove to this other church. We found parking places wherever we could, and we got out. We walked in the parking lot. I walked in the church, and one of the guys was there at the back of the church. He said, hey, if you wait just a minute, I'll, when, he takes, when he takes a break or something or prays, I'll see if I can find you a seat. And I said, well, I'm actually going to interrupt his sermon. 
And I said, and I've got a couple of hundred people here with me. <laughs> and he said, what? And we all filed in the church around the back of the sanctuary, all around the church. And he was preaching away and reading. And then he looked up and he saw us all. And I said, Don, I said, I, I hate to interrupt you. I was at the back of the church. I said, but I just felt like God told me to come over here, all of us to come over here and just pray for you. And I got up on the stage and laid hands on him and just prayed as a family came up. They're all crying like babies. And, you know, the whole church was crying. Everybody was crying. And I said, I just want you to know I love you. I'm thankful for your witness in this community. And uh, we're going to stand with you in this. Well, Don, did, Don doesn't quite know how to handle that. And he's, he will tell you today that I, he considers me his best friend. Although I wouldn't say that we have that close a contact anymore. But something happened that day in his heart towards us and ours towards him. And the love of Christ in that moment broke down barriers that I don't know a thousand lunches and coffee dates would have done. God just showed up. Now, I can't, I wish I could tell you I came up with that idea. But I didn't. I had a really good sermon that morning, and I was really excited, and a full congregation ready to go. But you know, that, that not only touched his heart, but it touched everybody in both of those churches' hearts in a way that really made a difference for a long time. What am I saying? I'm saying that the spirit that Christ has placed within us has a capacity to do things, to understand things, to respond in ways that would never occur to us to respond or do. But we are so often so busy because often we've been trained and taught that our, our, the prospect that God put before us is that we are supposed to do this for him uh, out of gratitude for what he did for us that we lose out on the opportunity to see him do things through us that we would have never imagined or thought of or come up with. God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love. And thirdly, he speaks here about a sound mind. You know, sound mind, the word here in the Greek really speaks of a soundness of thought. It, it's a wholeness. It's not just about our thinking being sound, but it's about a wholeness of life. And, you know, I can tell you the third area of fear that I see in a lot of people's lives is the fears that are going on on the inside of them. Fears of failure, fears of abandonment, fears of the future, fears of something in the past coming up, fears of failure and incapacity, not knowing what they are going to be able to do. There are people that are here right now in this room. Fear is something that you're struggling with on the inside because you don't know if you can measure up. You don't know if you can be the husband you're supposed to be or the father you're supposed to be. You don't know what to do in a business situation or circumstance that you're handling. You're in a position perhaps of making a decision and you don't trust your ability to make the right decision. Man, I can so relate to that. Because I am as human as anybody can ever imagine being. And I've had to handle a lot of important decisions in my life. And I don't come at them with an attitude of, well, I got this all figured out. I used to when I was younger. I don't know if you notice that. But when you're younger, you feel like you know a whole lot more. The older I get, the less I think I understand. You know, the Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know what that means is that pride means God's on the other side. And my experience is if he's on the other side, it doesn't really matter who's on your side. He's still going to win. But he gives grace to the humble. Humility is a magnet to grace. Whenever I operate in humility, it draws the grace of God. And that puts God on my side. And if God's on my side, it doesn't really matter who's on the other side. 
So in the circumstance of soundness, of wholeness, of mind, of the capacity, can I handle life? Can I, can I put up with what's coming? Can I face the future and know that there's a capacity? If I'm looking to me, the answer is soundly no. But if I'm looking to and relying upon and yielded to and conscious of and stirring up his life in me, then the answer is whatever comes, he already has the answer. He already knows the right response. What I've got to do is come to a place of humility and willingness to surrender and yield to that such that I get to the place where I say, Lord, you know, here's a situation I've faced many, many times before. David's a good example. Here's the Philistines. I went to the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? Are you going to deliver them into my hand? Yes, I'm going to deliver you into the hand. Here's what you're going to do. He goes out. David mightily defeats the enemies, and, and the Philistines are thrown out of the country. Then sometime later, the Philistines came up again. What did David do? I know how to handle these guys. I've done this before. No problem. No, the Bible says, and so David inquired of the Lord again. Humility. Lord, are you going to deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said, yes, but this time don't do what I told you to do before. This time I want you to wait until you hear the sounding of a marching in the mulberry bushes, which is going to be the armies of heaven. And in that moment, then there was going to be an overthrow of the enemy. And this time David went down and hardly had to even fight to see his enemies defeated. Why? Because he was humble enough to say, I've done this before, but I, I know it wasn't me that did it. You know, when David ran to meet Goliath, he didn't say, listen, I am really good with a slingshot. I've got a big stone here. I've got all these uh, capacities and wonderful history of pedigree of warriorness and I'm going to just take you down. No, he said, you come at me with spears and you come at me with swords. I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord. And in the name of the Lord, in the power of his might, you're going to be delivered into my hand today. You see, David understood that it wasn't his ability, his capacity, his strength. David soon learned what his capacity, his ability, and his strength was capable of which was not good stuff. Can I tell you, God is not asking you to be fearless in a fearful world. He's asking you to let the spirit that he's placed within you of love and of power and of wholeness to be stirred up to respond to life through you in ways that you could never do for him. The Bible says... If you've then been raised with Christ, Colossians 3, verse 1, seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth, because you're dead and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is presently right now meant to be your life, appears, then you'll appear with him in glory. Can I tell you it's the same thing with Jesus? Jesus' life was hidden in his father. And when his father's life appeared through him, Jesus appeared with him in glory. When Christ, who is our life, appears, when he shows up, when he shows up with your family, when he shows up with the person who doesn't like you, when he shows up in the circumstance that you can't face, when he shows up and handles that through you, 
you get to go along for the ride and be a part of the glory of his life being expressed. I want to just take a moment right now and ask you to close your eyes for just a brief moment. And let me ask you, where are you this morning in this idea of fear? Is there circumstantial fear going on in your life right now? Are you worried about your finances, worried about your future, worried about your health? Is there relational fear going on? Have you got a child that's far away from God or a circumstance where there's a broken relationship and you don't know how to repair it? Perhaps the fear is a fear of yourself, fear of your own inabilities, your own incapacities, that you can't carry the weight, that you don't know what to do. Not even sure if you can keep your mind sane in a world that seems to be going crazy. Can I tell you, God has not given you a spirit of fear. But I want you to know, he has given you a spirit. His very own. And that spirit is a spirit of mighty power. Of unfailing love. And of soundness and wholeness that human beings could never manufacture. I wonder if you'd stand with me for just a moment, and I wonder if it would be appropriate for just a moment just to say this. If there is any level of fear operating in your heart right now, that's not something that surprises God. He didn't say, you have no fear. He said, I have not given you a spirit of fear. With your fear, your anxiety, there is an invitation to cast our care upon him. And if you are dealing with fear at any level, would you do something maybe even uncharacteristic of what you would normally do? Would you step out for a moment and come here at the altar and let's pray together for one another's fears because we are all a people subject to those things. But we have a Lord who is never given to those things, who lives in us. So if you feel the need just to have a covering of prayer over some of you, just step out from where you are. Don't worry about what anybody thinks because this is not about anybody but just you and him and us praying together as brothers and sisters. And I'll take just a moment and wait. Thank you, Lord. Let's come as the Spirit leads you. It's always our choice, always our choice. Thank you, Jesus. Just wait a moment longer. Lord, thank you that humility, just the ability to say I need help, is a powerful, powerful magnet to grace. Pride, just saying I can do it on my own keeps us in that place of self-sufficiency. But Lord, that, that act of humility is so powerful. And I just thank you that right now, Lord, I'm the first person up here to say, I need you every moment of every day to face every fear in my life. And I thank you, Lord, that you know, apart from you, I can do nothing. So that never comes as a surprise to you, what I'm incapable of. Lord, I thank you for those who are here right now and for others that are in this place. Lord Jesus, I praise you that you have not given us a spirit of fear, 
And any spirit of fear that rests on any person in this place did not come from you. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over any spirit of fear. I come against any attack of fear. I come against any assignment of fear over any believer that's in this place who is humble before you and asking for your help. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would rebuke fear off of them by the power of your very life in our midst. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would release the the spirit that you've placed within us, stirring it up. Even now, Lord, we stir up your love, your power, your soundness of mind to override, to supersede, to transcend, Lord, our human weakness with the power of your spirit. This is the joy and the great inheritance of the people of God is the very life of Christ himself in us today. Lord, do in us, do through us what we could never do in and ourselves. We are going to stop trying to be fearless and start allowing you to face our fears through us by the power of your life. We don't just want the peace of God. We want the very God of peace to work and live in us. In Jesus' powerful name, release them from fear now in Jesus' name and start something new. Let them stop striving to overcome and start stirring up the power of your life within them and relinquishing control to you and what you can do that we could never do. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give Jesus just a hand of appreciation this morning and thanksgiving? Amen.